Hello and welcome to the new season of Your Voice Matters podcast. The topic of this fifth season is Voice Your Value. If you want a leader, a business owner, an expert or an entrepreneur, this season is for you. We are going to cover the importance of voicing your value in different contexts, such as in-person events, online meetings, presentations, social media, job interviews, networking, and even negotiations. I'm going to interview different entrepreneurs, experts, and coaches to give you new perspectives and insights on how to communicate with more clarity, confidence, credibility, both in your professional and personal life. I hope you enjoy the podcast and stay tuned for new ways to truly voice your value. How can you voice your value being an introvert? Welcome to the last episode of our fifth season. My guest today is David Minch, born in Brussels, lived and studied in Portugal, and now he's based in Montreal, Canada. Since 2019, David produces and hosts a podcast, Papa PhD, a show where he shares stories of guests with the most varied post-PhD careers journey. At the end of the graduate school, the prospect of an academic career had lost its luster, along with his initial idea of becoming a professor. With virtually no professional network and plans to start a family, David had to scramble and figure things out fast. Eventually, he found that his life um, science background could be leveraged in the medical communication spaces. He is also an introverted, and today he's going to share uh, his experiences with us. Welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you, Nish, for having me on, on the show. I'm super happy to talk about this. It's rare that I talk about this issue of uh, my introversion and how it connects to the Papa PhD podcast, so I'm super happy to be here today. So you are an introverted and you have a podcast. I think that's quite of a journey and I'm curious to know more about it. So, of course, I presented you a little bit, but tell us a bit more about your personal and professional backgrounds. So, like you said, I, uh, I grew up part, partly in Belgium until I was eight and then in Portugal until after university. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I've been shy and, and introvert through most of my youth. Uh, and having and you know not having an easy time uh be, being in front of you know in the limelight and you know being in front of a class talking or what, or whatever it's been it's always been a difficulty and also i think with this introversion comes an aspect of a lot of uh time with myself and and reflecting and and thinking so you know people it's funny i just had a 30 years reunion I was in Lisbon a few weeks ago, 30 years reunion with colleagues from uh, from high school, and someone said, "Yeah, you were shy, introverted, and serious. That's that's what you retained from me." And basically, uh, yeah, I had my interests. Uh, I gravitated towards the life sciences. Languages were always some something that I was I had an act a knack for and that interested me. But yeah, I, I, I looking back at that time up until university. Um, I do recognize that people might have had, you know, that, that very 2D image of me as, as being, you know, very serious and, and, you know, studious and shy and not too outgoing or not too outspoken. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up uh, coming to Canada for my PhD, which uh, uh, which I did here, uh, with, which I did through the University of Coimbra, but that I did here at the Montreal Neuro Neurological Institute. And that's where that was a different like chapter of my life because now I was alone in this new country. And I think I, I was more faced with situations where I had to sp speak out for myself. And even in within the PhD because of, you know, journal clubs and different seminars that, that you need to give while you're you're doing your PhD. But um, yeah, so I, I did all, all of that part. I think I may have developed some more skills of, uh, you know, public speaking, et cetera, during graduate school, maybe some, some assertiveness, but um, I, the old, the surprising twist was in 2019. So I defended in 2010, been working in medical writing and medical translation since, um, which, you know, has been, you know, it's mostly work that you do, uh, that it's not to do on your own. You have editors you work with, et cetera, but it's not, it's not, uh, it wasn't jobs where I needed to speak up. Uh, to interact much. with a lot of people. No, exactly. They, they've, I think they've kept with my, personality type in that I can just do it, do them on my own and interact with my clients uh, or, or stakeholders. And, uh, you know, it's fairly, uh, it's, it's a fairly introverted <laughs> journey in that sense. But in 2019, uh, I had this opportunity or this moment where I had time to launch or to, to think about launching the podcast, uh, because I had the gear, I had a microphone, I had, you know, nine years of talking with well or hearing questions from students because I uh, again it's funny now thinking back anytime I got invited to career panels and things like that I always said yes and that that made that during those nine years I kept get, going back to university and seeing what graduate students were growing through and and seeing oh you know what I, I was the only one having difficulties at the end of my PhD I was the only one figuring out that hey I don't want to go you know i don't want to be a professor after all but now feeling lost as to what's going to happen next um and and somehow uh because i had i had an opportunity or a time after a large project that that stopped uh, and before resuming my my uh, freelance work i had a, a kind of a gap mm -hmm. I I saw this message online saying why you should start your podcast in 2019, and I I read it. Uh, it 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 kind of clicked because I said, oh, I I know all these people who've done these these you know the PhD their PhD close to you know close to my bench close to my lab in the same mm -hmm. institute, and so and a bunch of them are now entrepreneurs or doing other other different things with their degree. Mm -hmm. I should start this podcast, and I should. You know, and why? Well, thinking of all these graduate students that are having the same questions and anxieties that I had at the end of my PhD. That that was kind of the the reason for starting it. But that's where the kind of, it was a surprising thing of, okay, I'm an introvert and I'm starting a podcast. And I, and I agree that a bunch of people have, are kind of incredulous at this, at this when I say that I'm an, an introvert the, and and they know me because, let's say, of the podcast. They it's hard for them to instinctively see how that's possible. I guess we we're going to talk about this today. 
Yes, exactly. So it was the perfect storm. So a gap after a huge project, then you have the gear, you know, the microphone and so on. And you have the network. You already know, you already know people like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast, but who are going to, or who am I going to interview? You didn't have that issue. So it was faster to move on. And uh, what did you do? So yeah, I think you know, in the in the backstage we talked that you you made you you read a book about uh, launching a podcast. So it's easy nowadays to kind of get information uh, online and or through YouTube or through a book. Um, mm -hmm. What was the book that you read? Do you still called, remember? I do remember. I don't remember the author's name, but it was called. Uh, I actually do now. It was called uh, Profitable Podcasting, I believe, and it's by Steve w uh, Wessner. But the, the the family name is like W O E S S N E R, and uh, or Stephen Steve or Stephen Wessner. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I did the the you know the uh, academic thing. Oh, I need to learn this new skill. Let's find the the most recommended book, and use that as a framework to do what I need to do. And then I and you know three and it, it said in the book in three months you can launch a podcast. And in three months I I was the podcast was running. It, it was it was, but I it didn't it did take the time you know and and uh, dedication to to launch the project mm -hmm. of course now there are a lot of uh, trainings and coaches out there saying i'll help you launch a podcast i think it's you know some people might need uh, uh like someone to hold their hand and, and help them especially if they have more obstacles like with technology etc but um you know i was born in 75 i'm you know i fairly good with computers etc uh, if someone out there is thinking that they might want to launch their podcast don't don't go straight away buying uh, buying some training go read about it and see what you can do with what you already have even your smartphone is could be a could be a start now an, an interesting thing and it has to do with being an introvert yes i launched the podcast but it's not an opinion podcast right away i thought i'm going to be on a podcast where i bring someone and we create an episode together, you know, and right away. And because I've been, I've been reflecting since we've talked and in other conversations, reflecting about how I evolved uh, within the podcast. And uh, and I do feel that at the beginning it was important for me that I, I wasn't alone in front of the microphone, because again, it's not my nature, it's not my personality to just. I don't know. Just yeah, state so, my opinion. So one one of the strategies was to have another person building the exactly. podcast. You know, co-create, co-creating the podcast with you. Exactly. And in my case, I believe, and I, I wonder what your opinion might be on that. In my case, I feel that one of my, let's say, superpowers as an introvert is my active and empathic listening ability. So, by doing an interview podcast, I was putting that to use. So somehow. I, if it made me feel safe, but also it made me feel uh, um, uh, that I was using uh, a, a skill and that I was doing something that I'm that I'm good at, so I felt comfortable with the whole exercise. Yeah, so, putting your superpowers at use. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because it is you know as an introvert saying, okay, uh, here's a camera, here's a microphone, now do to an audio uh, or a or a, vi or a, vi a video project. It is stressful, but yeah. because I I thought of, you know I conceived it that way, I felt comfortable and I, I it didn't feel like a, a big big challenge to launch the project. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's an excellent, so of course I'm a fan of podcasts. So I started mine uh, one year later than you, like 2020. Okay. But I, I I think it's a really an excellent uh, way and channel to, to start, you know, sharing some of your ideas and expertise, especially, especially if you use it as to position yourself as, you know, kind of an expert, but also having the possibility to have really interesting conversations and to have someone with you you know, engaging in a conversation where you don't have to be a one-man show or um, exactly. it's, it's important. And I think this is a good strategy, not only for mm. in introverts, but also extroverts because they have mm. to practice the active listening and also engage uh, with, with other person. And I, as a listener, when I, when I hear podcasts, I prefer um, interviews. So not only the solo uh, stuff, but when it's, uh, you know, different voices, different opinions, what do you think about that and so on. And I think now I'm I'm thinking about that, and I'm going to make a confession here. I'm also a bit introverted, so I have maybe the ambivert. I don't know if like when you can be an yes. extrovert and, and an introvert. And my I definitely am much more comfortable with podcasting than like doing videos or doing videos on the street or doing videos, you know, when I'm at home and something is like messy in my background or something. <laughs> so I do prefer, you know, the, the podcast because it's, it's intimate. You know, you can hear uh, the podcast when you are doing your dishes, you know, doing the laundry, um, you know, before going to bed and so on. And so I, th I think it's such an interesting way to connect with others. And uh, if you are an introvert, you know, you kind of don't have that huge audience in front of you. So you can be, you can have a lot of people downloading your podcast, but you don't feel them at the moment, you know, like thousands of people listening to you, which happens when you are speaking in public, but you might reach uh, many people, um, you know, with, with a podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, but it's like, it's more like one-on-one -on -one conversation at a time, right? Yes. Yes. It's one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one at a time. And f for me also, um, having these people, finding inspiring people, uh, again, and meeting people is not a very natural and easy uh, experience for me, especially if it's uh, live. But uh, in this controlled environment that is doing the podcast, the fact that I, you know, I started this in 2019 and now I have you know, a little bit over 220 episodes means that I've met 150 guests, 151 now with you, <laughs> but it's not the exact number, yes. but that I, that I wouldn't, if I didn't have, uh, if I hadn't decided to start on this adventure, I wouldn't have met these people because, uh, because I'm an introvert, but having set up this podcast with a specific message that I want to pass of um, you know, the, the, the universe of possibilities of jobs after your PhD is much wider than you think. And, uh, you can be fulfilled outside the lab that, that created a platform of, um, of, uh, connection with different people and allowed me to reach out to them with, uh, with a mission instead of just, uh, reaching out to, you know, to, Hey, do you want to be my to, friends? <laughs> exactly. To expand my network. No, I am now actively always looking for people with inspiring stories of their careers after graduate school or of their graduate school stories. Some of them, and I, I was talking about someone, uh, I'm going to talk about someone about quitting their PhD soon. So mm -hmm. this has opened a, a universe for me of, uh, uh, of community that I didn't have before. And 
I don't know, like you said, it was kind of a perfect storm of of the right situations. But I, I'm so happy it happened because, like I said, I often reflect on the last year or the last two years of podcast and try to improve. And um, for example, being in front of a camera is something that I added not so long ago. There's a, you know, I, I added the YouTube channel. So now the interviews are, are done live. I don't think I would have been able to easily do that on year one. Of, yeah, let, let, let's of, talk about that, you know, the step by step, because, you know, you need exposure to what stresses mm. you out. But also it has to be a gradual exposure. You cannot go full, okay, I'm doing a YouTube <laughs> channel, live, uh, you know, all of this, because it's it's scary. I mean, even for scary. me, I know I have I have not have I don't have my, my YouTube channel yet, but I will, I will. But it's a step by step. So how was the you know the first, you know, you had this idea and you starting reaching out, I mean, eventually to people that you already know. And then it was a controlled environment. And then the second was, okay, maybe reaching out to people that, you know, you don't know, but exactly. you have someone in common, which I think it was our case, you know, we, we did a uh, Bartilotti. Yeah, uh, precisely. Then, you know, and, and you kind of get, you know, more and more comfortable um, doing something that was completely scary at first. And then mm. after two years, you already uh, have, uh, you know, all this visibility and exposure. And how does it feel? It feels really go good. Uh, it it was exactly like that. I started with people I that had been at my institute and that I knew personally, but then I started asking them, who you know, who do you know uh, that you could recommend to talk about this? And then they started, you know, with they started recommending this person, that person, and then you know, it's kind of a, a snowball effect where, or or snooker ball effect where the second person you talk to actually says, oh, you know what, I have this other person to recommend. Mm -hmm. And and so that that was the first change, going from that small universe of people I knew and that felt safe to the first ones that I that I was just reaching out for the podcast and hadn't known before. So that was a little stressful moment. Mm -hmm. um, another moment, um, and it's interesting because you know we're talking about voice, and it feels to me that voice in the in the context of this episode that we're uh, this interview that we're doing. Voice is is more than just my vocal cords, but anyway, it's an of idea course. that I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> of course, <laughs> because uh, and I'll you know for example the studio the, the this what you see behind me, uh, it's again it was built it was built last year it it came with time and I think it's part of my Papa PhD voice. But let's go back to that that timeline. Yeah. So meeting people I didn't know was the second step, the third step, and I mentioned it to you uh, off the mic was understanding that although my questions, I had 12 questions that I asked almost verbatim to each guest in the first season, and then I get to this uh, guest where, because there was something in their background that, you know, they had a very nice background, and then there was like a part of a bike appearing there, and I was like, does he have 10 bikes in his house that, he, that uh, like uh, the steer, this, <laughs> the, the um, handle of the bike has to be appearing in his uh zoom in his zoom call and then i asked so there's a bike in your background is this something uh you do professionally or semi-professionally yeah. and then it opened up a whole conversation about how doing semi-professional biking uh in a, in a club during his graduate school had been part of his like uh, mental health support network and social health support network mm -hmm. and from that day on i ditched the questions I kept I I keep 
sharing the sharing them with the guests but i understood that okay with my listening abilities i'm able to, and and listening and and observing yeah. i'm able to bring out more from an interview than just what was in those 12 questions mm -hmm. so that that was so, phase two. Oh. yeah phase two. so first starts with what you know what you can control you have the questions you know the people yes. second you have the questions but you reach out to a bit less known people and then like interviewing people that you don't know and then you know going out you know uh drifting away of your your own script is like okay that's a huge step so is yes. there the phase three i'm looking Phase three. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm there's phase three, but uh, I'd like to, to, um, to bring this back to voice, because one parallel that I that I see with this is uh, now I'm very comfortable in front of the mic. Uh, we'll we might we might talk, uh, you know, uh, another time about my voice uh, technique, but uh, I I'm comfortable. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not tense. Uh, this is now a natural exercise for me. But I remember during grad school, graduate school, before before graduate school, anytime I had to present in you know uh, in person or to, or to be uh, to be present in front of an audience, and I've done now uh, presentations and keynotes from my studio here, and I don't feel that anymore. I used to feel a lot of stress, and it used to like close my <laughs> close my voice, my I don't know. You know that you probably know the technical terms, but close my vocal cords, and for the first twenty seconds of a talk, it would be really hard, and my lips were dry. It was really a mess. Yes, and stress I, reaction. Yes, and and I feel that do, doing this uh, exercise, and you were talking about being exposed. It's a little bit like being exposed to allergens to stop having an allergy, right? Somehow, this uh, there's a parallel between the the um, evolution of how I do the podcast with my ease at, at just talking publicly. Anyway, I just wanted to to, to put it out there. It feels like I, I became more and more relaxed. Um, yeah, because we know that we need gradual exposure. You know, you cannot just, oh, I'm not talented enough or I just did, I haven't born as a, you know, a good speaker, a good communicator. It's mm. just something that you really have to nurture <laughs> and, mm. you know, you have to have a goal. And you have to want to do it. I mean, if it's not fun for you to have a podcast just before you have to, you know, put your voice out there, just forcing you out. So people will listen that it's not uh, natural, but it was made from something that you, you know, you, you love the topic, uh, you were into that, you knew the people, you had the, you know, all the conditions. So it was kind of a natural step. But we know that we need this, you know, gradual exposure because otherwise you don't do it. It's too much. It's too much stress. So you have to control the conditions. That's actually, um, I have an example. Um, today I have a session with a client that she hates record herself. Like she really okay. cannot record and listen to the voice or, or do a video. Um, and so today we had our first, first session and I was kind of, okay, so I know that you don't like to record yourself and I respect it. What I, I invite you to do is, okay, let's records today but we will not listen to it okay but let's record maybe next mm -hmm. session we will record and if you want we can listen a little bit so in the third session we will maybe listen all the recording uh, the before and after because i always do that in my sessions um maybe we will do a video 
and maybe we will do a video and see it without voice, you know, just to see the image. And then we will put the video and the, plus the image and the sound, sorry. So it's kind of, I will, you know, try to uh, make it be more comfortable with, with her voice. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a step-by-step. -step. If I have to force her, okay, you have to do this, let's record because this is part of my methodology, which it is, which it is. But if I cannot force, uh, because it's, it's too scary at first, you know. Mm -hmm. That was yeah, a it, kind of example. <laughs> it's a great example, and then it's, it shows how our emotions or some some of the things that that happen when we are speaking in public are not rational. They, they, there's there's things that you need to you need to work gradually, like you said. And I'm now I I'm not sure when this episode is going to be launched, but there there might be an interview on Papa PhD with you, which has to do with another chapter of, of Papa PhD. Where you talk about about that about you can't train to be a good speaker. You t you even mentioned uh, Toastmasters, for example, yeah. as a good way to do it and uh, to start exposing and, uh, uh, yourself to other people in a kind of controlled environment. And if you had talked with me, I don't know, ten years ago, and said, you know, you you're going, you should be a podcaster, and uh, and uh, you, you know, you'll be giving talks. I would have said, no way, no way, and and. Now, after after these years of of doing this, it's clearly something. It's something that I'm doing, and that I, I'm not saying it's super easy, and that there's no uh, difficulty at all. But I've, you know, I've known, I've learned how to deal with with some of those uh, <laughs> of those uh, 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 I don't know, feelings and uh, how can I say even physiological uh, physiological sensations. Yeah, reactions that we have, and. That we have. And by the way, they are normal. I mean, it's because you are doing something that your brain understands, your system has something important. Like, okay, I have mm. to get this message across. I have these people in front of me. I have to deliver this mm. content. And so, and, or I'm going to be evaluated or some people will think something about me. So it's, it's actually a good sign that you are, you know, a bit, you know, that small adrenaline, that, that, that tiny <laughs> bit is, you know, it's because you, you are also valuing what you want to, to say and how you want to say it. But when it's too much, then you have to go back. Okay, what is comfortable first and, you know, start slow. Um, and so you don't want to go from zero to 100% confidence. Yeah. If, you, if you you have to, you know, take the journey and do, do the steps that you need to, to take. But I want, I want to change a little bit um, yes. the course of this conversation for this myth that... Um, Extroverts are good at you know communicating, and mm -hmm. the introverts are kind of less skilled when it comes to be, you know, a good communicator. And I mm -hmm. want to know your opinion. I, I want to know what you feel about that because we have this kind of idea: what is to be charismatic or what is to be a good mm -hmm. speaker? And I want to challenge also this idea. You know, so what do you think about this? Do you think that extroverts like they are kind of, you know, what we should Aiming for? I think, I think they have a, a, a. If we're talking about public speaking, they have a, an evolutionary advantage, which is they don't get that, uh, or they don't don't get as much of that uh, those jitters before you know when when in front of a bunch of people or before gi giving an important talk, because uh, it's part of their personality, uh, in the way that I that I'm imagining it is saying you know asserting themselves and uh, saying what they uh, saying what they think and even maybe uh, there may be even um, 
like being in conflict because it, it's stimulating to them. Um, but thinking, and you know, you work with a lot of people in in exec, you know executive and, and company settings. What I what I feel that is this question um, misses is that teams are made of good teams are made of different types of people. So yes, if you you know if you're let's say in high school and there's a you know you need there needs you need to take part of in of a theater uh, uh, representation, extroverts will have a great time. They're on the stage. They're being loud. They're they're being big, and you are like trembling and sweating and kind of saying your lines and then leaving the stage, <laughs> <laughs> hoping but for that to to end as quickly to end to end quickly. But what I think, um, we if we went into a boardroom um, uh, in in a company, what we'd see, I believe, is that introverts would maybe speak less, have less, uh, uh, how do you say, stage time. Mm -hmm. But the way I see it is mostly it will be because they're reflecting, they're listening, they're taking notes, and then when they talk, uh, they they will. You know they will um, try and, and have imp uh, strong impact with what they're saying because it's it's they're only they're only or they will tend to only open their mouth when they feel they're secure about what they're saying. Um, but it means also that uh, there it's worth listening to what they have to say. Now it really depends on it, are we talking about a culture where assertiveness and um, uh and uh i mean this bold style of... and boldness is valued then i think yes uh, uh extroverts have a better time in the, those types of cultures than introverts i what i think i imagine if we if we went into a google or uh i don't know meta i wonder how many in you know in a, in a in a meeting room what the percentage would be of introverts and extroverts um good question and, and i believe I, and I, I believe, you know, especially thinking of if most of them are <laughs> considered what we consider nerds, you know, or programming people, a lot of them might be introverts, actually. Um, so it's a, it's a tricky question. I think the, the the first answer would be that there's, because our society today, there's a bias, I think, still towards like like we said, being bold and and putting yourself forward and advocating for yourself. I think there's still an advantage to be an act, an extrovert, but but I think in organizations there needs to be uh, there needs to be both and there's a, a much value. There's a lot of value in uh, in in potential in having also introverts in your team because they're going to bring a different type of. Uh, of uh, dynamic to the discussion, to brainstorming, to solution finding, to innovation. That's yeah. that's my opinion. Uh, I can only give it as as that. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I I totally agree with that. That in a healthy culture, uh, we should have all these you know different voices being heard. And for sure, an introvert will listen first, and then you know figure out what to say. And then when they say it. Uh, they normally are very concise and straight to the point and, you know, analytic even in the, you know, what was discussed and so on. And that brings an enormous added value. 
And so, and I agree with you, like maybe our culture still values the, the, you know, the stage time, how much time you spend speaking. And I see like content wise, introverts can bring much added value, whilst uh, some extroverts can be more entertaining and, you know, project some kind of confidence that can also be valued by some publics but they rely more on their optimism to improvise. So mm-hmm. the content was sometimes is not so well prepared as a, an introvert, what can, what they can bring to the table. And that is the thing that I observe. Yeah. I have, I have something I'd like to, to add, and I think it, that, that might be a disadvantage is in, again, thinking of, of organizations, one, one disadvantage, uh, that introverts may have, especially if they have, um, this difficulty to uh, to speak out for themselves, to assert themselves, to talk with superiors is uh, in promotions. And that's where I think someone like you can help them. Because if you, like I've learned, you know, through these four years of podcasting almost, I've learned to be in front of a camera. I've learned to be behind a mic. I think it's also trainable to, yes, be an introvert, but learn to have a different voice when you need to vouch to uh, advocate for yourself, let's say in the context of evolving your career in a uh, in an organization, I don't know if you have some reflection about that. Totally, I totally agree. You can learn how to do it differently and to you know voice your value, which is an expression that I use a lot in okay. this context where where you need to vouch for yourself. You need to to actually not only be competent but show. That you are also competent, you know, and that means that you use, you have to use, make use of your communication. You have to make use of your voice, your firmness, assertiveness, confidence, whatever name it, and that that can be trained. And especially, I think, if you have that in mind, the, the how much you can earn during your career, it's very well dependent how much you are able to communicate your value mm-hmm. uh, daily you know, in daily meetings, but also in some key presentations. And especially when you are negotiating your salary or if you want to move uh, to another, another company or, or opportunity and not getting nervous when you talk about, uh, you know, a salary or your competence or, you know, projects that you maybe, you know, you had some challenges. That's important. And you can train that. You can, you, you can prepare in advance. And that's something that I definitely do with my clients. And with great success, you know, you know, maybe they they will kind of okay. I'm not sure if I, you know, I I want to do this, or maybe this is the difficult. But when they understand that that can be trained, and it's not lacking authenticity, or I kind of oh, I'm I'm like this, so I cannot change. And then when they see the advantage, and they start to okay, I also can be confident. I don't have to be hmm. sound as an extrovert or this super charismatic. What I have in mind, which is what means to be charismatic, I can be myself and still be confident and still be assertive. So this is um, what, where training meets, you know, what is your goal in your career? And I totally agree with you. Uh, if you have these kind of issues or if you are struggling to be heard, you know, just work on, the, on those skills. Don't wait for the opportunities to come to you and say, oh, you are valuable. Oh, nice job. Oh, you should be promoted. No one will tell you that you should be promoted. I'm sorry to, to tell you this. No, probably it's not common for a company to have, you know, to 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 make that first move. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think you are doing a great job, and I think we should promote you. Actually, what companies want is to pay you the the least they can for the yes. greater amount of work you do. So, kind of, uh, of course, you can 
maybe thinking, okay, I, I, I don't want to change jobs every two years, you know, to be promoted or to kind of move forward. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you like your, your, I think if you like the, the place where you work, if you like the company, if you like the culture, but you still that you feel that your, your skills are not being valued, it's time to speak up. Mm -hmm. Because for them, if you don't, they, they, the company, let's say, let's talk about it as an entity, thinks that, well, they're happy with, they're not talking, they're not speaking up, so they're happy with the situation. So let's leave it at that. And uh, and so yeah, that's something that introverts might be disadvantaged by, but that like the good news is you can work on it. Yes, 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 definitely. And also understand one thing that's important: it's the the timing when you speak. So not only in a meeting, why you know do you wait until the very very end to say something? Sometimes they are almost closing that subject and moving on in the agenda and then you raise your hand and you just raise your concerns but sometimes it's too late so also be sensitive to okay i don't have 100 sure about what i'm going to say but i have 80 percent certainty so i think this is a good time to interrupt and say what i want to say and instead of waiting for the perfect timing which sometimes never you know uh happens mm. and what you know the timing stuff is what I see a lot in, on introverts on my clients like okay they, I wait I wait I wait and then or I get interrupted or I, I don't know where I should but maybe because it's also impolite to interrupt someone and so this working around this concept of okay how soon should I talk also in you know if you are not happy with your salary when you should talk about this like do you want to wait another year do you want to review this in the next you know performance uh, meeting so it's kind of the timing. Don't wait, you know, that long to to voice your value. <laughs> it's it's funny you it's funny you you mentioned that because I, I've totally been guilty of that. I totally see myself waiting, waiting, and think, oh, maybe this person has something better to say, maybe that, and then waiting until it's a bit too late or it's that it has no longer uh, it no longer has impact. And um, but uh, yeah, in, interesting timing. Uh, timing, I guess, is also something uh, that's important in. Uh, just in in public speaking in general, but uh, public speaking it's, it's 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 I'm just kind of getting this picture of of uh, the parallels between uh, just giving a talk and being part of a meeting, and th there are parallels there. Um, but uh, I had never thought about this issue, this question of timing, and it's through that fear of just opening your mouth and putting your voice a voice out there can make you miss windows of opportunity it's it's um it's it's interesting but how how do you how do you deal with that you 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 read the rule so what i do like giving just a, a hint uh you have to learn how to read the rule and you know the who is speaking and you know the power positions and so on and so what i and then of course being confident enough with what you want to say. So don't wait to gather all the information, gather all what everyone has to say. So I really uh, give this uh, tip to my clients to speak as soon, first to get to, to, to get used to start sooner, much sooner than they, they are used to. Like, okay, be the second to speak. Give Be the second to give your opinion. And being the second, not, not the first, like the first is too much. Like, okay, don't, don't mm -hmm. give me that. But being the second in a few meetings, Really, you have to make this exercise to, I will not wait for what the others have to say and then just agree or disagree. I will bring my opinion forward 
first and then, then see how the room reacts. It's a totally, it's game changer. You know, it's a totally different dynamics. So you start kind of leading a little bit how, where the discussion is going instead of just following. So this is one tip that I like to, to give. I love it. Okay, good. And then uh, the second is, uh, you know, also using your body language to show that you want to speak. Sometimes we are just passive listening and then no one has a clue that you have a brilliant idea and you, because you don't even blink. <laughs> so you have to really move and say, yeah, okay, like show that you want to speak before speaking. And so giving some body language cues to that. And then, you know, how to interrupt, you know, uh, you know, the moment where you interrupt. So you don't want to go abruptly say, okay, okay, this is, that that's nice, but so never use the but. Like okay, trying to find a common ground with what the previous person is saying, and you know, just highlighting that, and you know, giving some compliment on that, and then and and I also think that this can add some value, and then you go and make the bridge to your idea. So this is three techniques that I normally, you know, among others, but interesting, and I feel I really feel that uh, with all this experience doing doing interviews. I I must have gotten better at that because when you're doing you know this when you're doing an interview there's always a moment where you want to bring the conversation somewhere else or the person is rambling and you just want to you know make <laughs> close it and 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 move on to 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 the next I've had um, the, the the most difficult case I've had in an interview was someone who I was interviewing actually live it wasn't through Zoom and they close i asked the first question and then they closed their eyes and they started just talking giving their life story and then they kept their eyes closed the whole time and i really had a hard time uh, because i didn't want to uh, be too uh, uh i can't kind of say uh they you know i don't want to didn't want to break their inspiration and also i didn't want to appear as uh, being rude uh but i now you know after all this time I think I'm. I'd be. I think I'd be comfortable in a situation like that, uh, and I am. And I've. I've. I know, I've noticed that I'm more comfortable in brainstorming uh, settings to bring up my idea when I think. You know, when I when it, as soon as I think it's uh, it's pertinent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you if you change the mindset of having a good or a bad idea, like being right or being wrong, if you change this approach to what you say and just you know be constructive and co-create, yeah. you know, having a, a co-creator mind with when you share something, it's not a finished idea, so it doesn't have to be so perfect, like, you know, as you imagine that you, you should do it. Mm -hmm. And so putting forward some uh, imperfection and some ideas that are not totally shaped out, you can actually be more comfortable of, okay, well, this is what I'm thinking. Let, let me think out loud instead of mm -hmm. just thinking in your head. Let me think out loud. So what? What do you think about this? I think it's not, I'm not there yet, but I would like to hear your, your opinion. So it's kind of being humble, you know, and uh, also it puts the other person at ease because kind of you are in, inviting the other person also to, to um, comment on your, on your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about, uh, you know, how difficult it is to sometimes interrupt or, you know, having this uh, stage kind of set up where you where where you you know where do you speak and how do you speak as an introvert one thing that i notice as a pattern and i also want to hear if you have some tips is networking but mm. not the networking with the excuse of having a podcast is like networking as you know 
an event, a conference, uh, just sometimes having a dinner with some friends that you don't know and kind of, you know, we want to meet them, but at the same time, kind of. Mm -hmm. But let, let's speak about the networking as a activity. What do you think about that? Is it difficult for you? Uh, it's as always you have been, tips? <laughs> it's always been difficult uh, for me, but it's so funny because now I... What I figured out is that um, if I turn on my interviewer, or if I put on my interviewer hat, I'm much better at networking. And the and the reason why is because I changed in the past. I thought, oh, networking, I need to present myself and show my best side, and uh, I don't know, start, uh, <laughs> I don't know, start. Uh, Start, start do, being what I'm not, which is an, an extrovert. So in the past, I I really went into those events thinking I should be like the extroverts. And now what I've understood and what's been working for me is listening, is starting with listening, starting with, okay, uh, you know, you're introduced to someone and, and go where you're comfortable. And where I'm comfortable is listening, getting some nuggets, something from the story, and then, you know, and then keeping the conversation going from that. And this is something I, I didn't, I hadn't developed before doing the podcast. And I think it's really helping me now in in-person networking events or networking or even just, you know, you're out and someone introduces a new friend, someone you don't know. And, um, and I think for introverts, use your listening superpower. And of course, you can't just listen all along. Listen, ask questions, and then from those questions, for sure, there'll be something that there'll there'll be something that you can connect to an experience you have. To uh, uh, I don't just, you know the person has the same hobby you have, or uh, th there's there are po points of connection that you'll find, and then from there you can slowly bring on your persona out there and say, oh, I oh you know I'm interested in that too, actually. Uh, this is this is what I do, and the reason why I do it is blah 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 blah. But start start on the listening side, start on the interviewer side of things. For me, it's really really been almost magical. Although I don't think I'm I'm a super good networker uh, still, but because well, what is a super good networker? <laughs> shall we ask? <laughs> I don't know. It's someone who comes with a goal, and uh, that, that's that's my the way I'm imagining it. Comes with a goal, and as you know, uh, goes away of the evening having reached their goal of I don't know if it's the number of people they want to meet or if it's a specific contact they wanna they want to reach. That's not something I can say that I've tried or that I've that I've practiced. So I don't think I don't consider I I'm good at it. But uh, I think some people can uh, can be really good at networking but i i guess like you like we were saying for talking and for voice and for public speaking i think it's also something you can practice yes so i i i like to challenge i would like to challenge the idea Please do. that is the good networking you know you have you go there you just speak to this person you have and you're just gone um i want to challenge that i want to, i think that is not networking that is hunting mm -hmm. okay 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 <laughs> which is I see what you mean. In, in my opinion networking is building relationships is not selling is not just approaching someone that might be useful for you it's really getting to know other people and having there generally to 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 know them to find some common ground 
sometimes it's just share, you know, you know, your last vacations or someone that you know in common or, um, and you don't have to be with this mindset, I have to reach a goal, you know, with the, this, this network, I have to find a client, I have to find, you know, a sponsor or an investor or whatever. So having this relaxed approach to networking can actually ease the process and make it feel, you know, with less pressure of achieving that goal. Because if you don't achieve the goal, which most commonly, if you define that for some reason, if you are not able to speak with that specific person or whatever, it's just you, you failed the plan. So networking is so much more than that. It's so much powerful and it's such a long-term game and has more how can you learn about others? How can you be useful for the others instead of just asking for us, you know, how can you give just a tip, just a recommendation of a book, just a podcast that you are listening, someone that you know, a good restaurant where, where you have been, anything that can help the other, it's important. And so for me, this is my opinion as Inir Mora, um, I think a good networking is when you leave people feeling better after knowing you. Mm-hmm, I love it. <laughs> I really like that. It, it's interesting because, you know, I said what I said, thinking of, uh, actually, I, I'm going next week, I'm, I'm going to be at an event and there's going to be networking in person. And I'm, I'm thinking of that and so it's, it's going to be business oriented. Uh, but what I tell people on the Papa PhD podcast is exactly what you said. If you, first, you should, even while you're in graduate school, start meet, knowing other people outside your the lab, even outside university, people who maybe follow the same path as you and are now in companies here and there. And that's networking. And you shouldn't go talk with these pe- people when you're looking for a job because it's going to be transactional and it's going to be a bad conversation because you want something, they'll feel pressured, it'll be awkward. And I totally agree with you. It's like a, a seed that you that you put in the earth and you start watering it and There'll be a plant in a month, in in a year, in two years. You don't need to worry about that. You need to uh, to grow uh, relationships. Exactly, exactly. I'm t- I totally agree. It's just that when you asked me that question, I was like in this in this mindset of okay, there's a networking event and and you know uh, and a, a, an in person setting. But I totally agree, and that's exactly what I recommend any you know any young researcher out there is to start early, just starting to meet people that interest you and say, hey, your your profile seems interesting. I am doing the same kind of uh, undergrad that, that you did or the same kind of graduate school that you did. And I, I'd really like to connect just to learn about what you're doing and how you got there. Boom. That's it. It's, you show interest. And then let's see, people might say no because they're busy. That's That happens a lot. I'm thinking of LinkedIn, of course. Mm-hmm. But then someone will say yes. And, and if you're doing it in this uh, in this generous and uh, in this uh, non-transactional way, then you'll be creating a healthy network. And I, I, I agree with you 100%. That's amazing. Yeah, the, the question that I had was like, I want to challenge this. What do you think is good networking? <laughs> and I, I wanted to, to play you this trick, like, okay, what do you think about it is? And uh, I think it was an important point of our conversation. This one actually was um, just to finish. This 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 was actually the networking process that brought us together. You know, I met our you know friend in common. I met her through LinkedIn. She reached out to me, you know, just asking questions and you know asking for my advice. We spent a lot of time, you know, uh, talking on the phone, and then you know we developed a kind of relationship and friendship, and then 
you know, life happens and sometimes we, you know, we think about see each other, you know, for this event or for this kind of, you know, project. Mm -hmm. And so it was so natural to develop from there. So I love LinkedIn. I love to just approach people or be approached, you know, just to ask some questions or just to get to know you better. And sometimes we get defensive, like with, with social media, like oh, yeah. what is, why are you in a social network if you don't want to be social? Like what's there the point? <laughs> so it's social network. So when uh, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I speak to someone and say, okay, why are you connecting with me? Or I don't want to know nothing about you. Okay. I respect that. It's uh, just a few cases, not a lot, but yeah. it's some people that really reject meeting someone. It's like, so weird. Why are you doing this? You know, why are you here? And yeah. so don't be that person. Let's, you know, stay curious and you never know what can happen. No. And just for introverts out there, this is rare. What, what Ines just said. If LinkedIn is a great, great platform for all introverts to train yourselves at uh, at connecting with other people and, and at networking, because like Inish was saying, like eighty percent, ninety percent of the people who are there are there because they want to connect with other people. They're on this social network because uh, they're ready to exchange and connect and 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 uh, discuss and take advantage of that uh, in of that tool to be in a non-person, you know, non-in-person uh, um, setting, but doing doing exactly that, getting to know someone that interests you for whichever reason, because they're in this frontier domain that, that uh, interests you, because they are an alumnus of where you're studying. And don't, you know, it's a very low, low threat environment to reach out to people LinkedIn. So... And, and uh, like like Inish was saying, it's really rare that people react uh, like that. But I, I I sometimes ignore some some of the people who try to connect because they're trying to selling me some to sell me something. That's now uh, I think a more recent uh, uh, how can I say uh, reality on LinkedIn is that once they're in podcasting, you, they saw they see you're a podcaster, and then uh, there are all these people selling <laughs> snake oil podcast snake oils. And those that, I tend to ignore. That, that's the hunting, the hunting mode that I was speaking, and it's uh, it's the same for online and for in-person yeah. contacts. If you hunt, if you want to sell, if you want to like have a straightforward goal, and you don't have, you are not not there to also listen to the other person and, and add value. So why are you doing this? Uh, kind of, I also react the same. I always, I always normally I always uh, reply to that, say okay, thank you, but not interested. Like kind of respect that that's someone is doing some work. But uh, but definitely it's not the best way to approach you know, by selling something. You even didn't know, like if imagine that you are a doctor and you are kind of prescribing something that you don't know if the person needs or if it's like the right moment or it's kind of mm. uh, strange, you know, <laughs> It is to try to sell something that you don't know if even if the person is kind of interested on that. Even interested, yeah. <laughs> so don't do that. Okay, that's number one rule for LinkedIn. Don't chase people, you know, selling no, solutions it's, uh, first. It's a bad practice. Yeah, bad practice. But we have a lot of good practices in this episode, and I'm so glad to meet you through LinkedIn, actually. Like, uh, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, glad, process. I'm glad that I didn't reject you. Like, who is this nutter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> send, me, send me an invitation for his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. Thank you for reaching out. It was, it was amazing to, you know, to, to speak both ways. I mean, yeah, you interviewed yep. me to the, your podcast, and I interviewed two different conversations. So if you are listening to this, 
And if you have the opportunity to listen, you know, our conversation in the Papa PhD episode, please do it because it's different. Of course, if you like us, <laughs> if you like this kind of, <laughs> no, I hate this topic. I wouldn't, but if you are interested in, in, uh, in voice or, or, you know, this introvert, uh, process and how can you voice your value as an introvert, definitely it's something to, you know, to listen both episodes. I think they, they, they go well together. So maybe thank you so much. Where can people find you? So I know that you hang out on LinkedIn. Is there yes. any other platform that you want to share with us? So uh, the platforms that I'd like to share are the Papa PhD website, papaphd.com. It's the easiest way to go and find the episodes, find the show notes, uh, find you know the resources the guests share during the episodes. Uh, if you want to find the podcast itself, if 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 you have a if you're on a on an iPhone or, or an Apple device, you just go on to, into the podcast app and look for Papa PhD, P-A-P-A space uh, PhD, and you'll find me. Uh, you'll find Papa PhD, uh, and, it, and it's in all other platforms also. Now, I, we, I do have a YouTube channel uh, that is, uh, again, if you look for Papa PhD uh, podcast on YouTube, you'll find the channel. And then uh, both on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the handle is the same. It's Papa PhD podcast in at Papa PhD podcast in one word. So besides LinkedIn, those would be the three other places that uh, that I'd recommend you looking for Papa PhD. I will add you on Instagram. <laughs> yes. I realize that we are not connected there. You're not connected. It's true. Great. So, David, I definitely recommend you to 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 look out for you and to you know listen to your podcast, especially if you are in this PhD you know kind of space, uh, mm -hmm. finishing your your studies, or if you are into that, uh, please listen. I know a couple of people that are interested in your podcast for sure, and I will personally you know recommend it the the show to them. And so. David, it was really a pleasure. So, thank you so much for being my last guest of this season. Uh, I think it was cherry on top. So thank you so much and talk soon. Thank you, Nish. It was an honor. It was a great conversation. It's something that I don't talk about that this, to this extent so much. Uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of super, you know, superpowers in in, uh, in introverts out there. And it, it was great to have uh, to have this platform to to talk about this. Uh, during during uh, this episode with you. Thank you for listening. Now I challenge you to implement right away one tip or strategy coming from this episode. If you want to know more about how to voice your value and prepare to challenges ahead, feel free to reach out and book a 30 minutes free call to discuss your goals with me. I would love to hear from you. And finally, always remember, your voice matters. Make sure you keep talking.